1: Toby and I will recap summer 2023 by presenting the one story that we thought defined the past few months. We'll also go over some of our most embarrassing flubs because who would want to forget those?
0: Then we'll look ahead to the next half of the year to see what's on the horizon before finishing up with some predictions that we will 100% get correct and won't come back to bite us at all. It's Monday, September 4th. Let's ride.
1: Happy Labor Day. Hope you're able to avoid doing any labor today besides making a massive pancake breakfast or shopping for sweaters online. Because of the holiday, today's Morning Brew Daily episode will be different than usual. Labor Day is considered the unofficial end of summer, so Toby and I are going to discuss the news stories that define the summer and preview the rest of the year. Plus, we're going to quiz each other because we are hopelessly competitive about trivia. Hope you enjoy and let you reminisce about all the good times we had together, because winter is coming. Okay, to start things off, Toby and I are going to pick the one story that we think defines summer 2023 and present our case, and I will go first. The story that I think defines summer 2023, and I don't think anyone is going to be particularly surprised by it, is what I call Barbe Opinielor. (laughs) That's the term I coined for the phenomenon of watching Barbie and Oppenheimer in theaters, seeing Taylor Swift and Beyonce in concert, and catching a Lionel Messi game for Inter Miami. First of all, if anyone did all five of those, please let me know because that is extremely impressive and you probably have a private jet I could hitch a ride on. Anyways, the reason I think these five cultural events are so important is because they reveal a lot about the psyche of the American consumer in our first real summer after the pandemic. During COVID, people couldn't choose to buy experiences because we were all at home. So we loaded up on physical goods to renovate our houses, learn a new hobby like pickleball and buy fancy toys for our new pets. All this buying of stuff drove inflation to levels we hadn't seen in decades. But this summer was maybe the first new normal summer and it looks a lot like the old normal of 2019. People spend more at experiences like concerts, movies, and sporting events. They ate out more and they traveled internationally, all things that were trending up before the pandemic. Meanwhile, Americans stopped buying so much stuff at Home Depot and Dick's, as we learned in these companies' disappointing earnings reports recently. Of course, there are a lot more threads to pull out here, but no doubt, these superstars commanded our attention and our dollars this summer. What do you think about things like Taylor Swift and Barbenheimer? What do they What do they mean to you?
0: Okay, two things stood out for me. By the way, thank you for pulling all of those threads together, Neil. That was artfully done. But. To me, first, we have to remember what the outlook, economic outlook going into the summer was. Remember, pretty much every major economist at a major bank said that we were going to enter a recession, rates were going to be simply too high, and it was going to constrain economic activity far too much, and then... All of a sudden, every single month we're like, okay, we haven't gotten into a recession yet, but next month for sure, next month for sure. And it was because we just like kept spending our way through it all. And one of the big things I think that was underestimated was just the sheer power of women as an economic force. First of all, they're constantly underestimated as an economic force. And this was the summer that everyone finally woke up to the fact. I mean, even the Fed's beige book, which is kind of their commentary on the economy that they publish eight times a year, called out Taylor Swift for b- boosting Philadelphia's hotel industry Barbie's the biggest movie in Warner Bros history this was truly just the the year of the the, the summer of the of the woman basically and just them economic their. Uh, exerting their economic power for uh, and everyone be- becoming aware of it for the first yeah. time.
1: And the thing is, they went in groups, too. It wasn't kind of a solo endeavor. So more than 80% of people who bought tickets to, t- to see Taylor Swift and Beyonce, they purchased more than two tickets to those tours. Uh, so you saw like these groups come together and really, you know, flex their economic muscle. And just overall, the sheer economic power of these cultural forces like Barbenheimer and Taylor Swift and stuff, you see them actually coming into GDP data. Great. So over the summer, all this spending, I think it's going to amount to $8.5 billion in total on those two tours and the two movies are going to add 0.5% to GDP. <laughs> so maybe, maybe one of the reasons that we're able to avoid this recession that you talked about uh, is because of these uh, these concerts and these movies and these cultural events yeah you just can't forecast that as an economist like you can't forecast that we'll have two of the biggest tours of
0: all time I guess you could but it, it, it truly did blow people out of the out of the water and then also just to put a bow tie on this whole experience over physical goods thing we did see a huge increase in travel as well remember especially travel to Europe was really hot yeah. at the beginning of the summer kayak reported that searches for Europe travel were 77% higher than last year. Hopper said that of anyone who was browsing for international destinations, 30% were searching for flights to Europe. And then passport demand, if you remember, in March was 30 to 40% higher than last year's levels. So it was all these things where people were just finally ready to fly the coup, get away from the the mainland, get over to Europe, and travel is just a huge part of this, this massive economic
1: summer as well. Final point I want to make is what drives the experience Economy is FOMO, and I think when you see Barbenheimer go viral on social media Mm -hmm. and Messi, every single goal Messi scores, uh, you know, you see it populate your feed. I think that's like, oh, I got to go and and you know get in on this experience. So I think the this virality on social media also drove a lot of the spending that we saw.
0: Okay, Neil, my story of the summer is extreme weather and climate change. I feel like this summer, talking about the weather went from small talk to big talk really fast. I'm just going to run through all the extreme weather events that we've been tracking. First of all, this is an El Nino year, which researchers at Dartmouth estimated could cost the global economy as much as $3.4 trillion over the next five years. And we've already started to see its effects. We've seen historically hot ocean temperatures a buoy in manatee bay florida reported an ocean temp of 101 degrees fahrenheit which is the highest ever recorded and that has also led to historically hot air temperature as well starting on july 3rd Earth reached its hottest day ever, a record four days in a row. In fact, things got so hot over in Europe that they actually named a heat wave for the first time, Cerberus, which is the three-headed dog from Greek mythology. There's also been droughts that have notably affected the Panama Canal, dropping its water to dangerously low levels and threatening to disrupt the global shipping industry. And droughts combined with the heat I mentioned have made this also the summer of wildfires. I'll never forget the few days when New York City had the worst air quality on earth as wildfire smoke from canada drifted our way and turned everything into a blade runner movie you i could keep going but holy moly it was a heck of a year what stood out to me though was for the first time in a while it seems like we are coming to terms with the real world effects of climate change and i've seen more buzz around renewable energy evs etc mm-hmm. than ever before
1: yeah especially because it was the one year anniversary of the inflation reduction act which offered 500 billion dollars in incentives for clean energy projects so you saw a lot of those get going too so on the one hand you saw yeah we couldn't see each other because there was so much haze in new york and we were all coughing and then on the other hand you saw a lot of uh, energy projects, clean energy projects, get going like uh, offshore wind farms and chip plants. That's not exactly clean energy, but that's part of the equation. Uh, And EV plants uh, and battery plants get going. So you saw kind of two sides of the same coin and you're wondering if the, you know, the latter half, the the clean energy part can catch up to what we all experienced this summer. But I think it's just going to be a structural change now. Like people may not be able to visit southern Europe as much because there's going to be constant heat waves there. And that's going to change tourism and tourism towards northern Europe. And supply chains are going to be affected all over because of climate. You mentioned Panama Canal getting so low. And that's been a storyline over the past few summers is rivers getting way too low for ships to traverse them. And uh, and gas prices was another thing that ticked up. And that's, uh, uh, that was fueled by, no pun intended, <laughs> refineries not being able to produce as much because they were idled by heat. Yeah. So it's all of these sort of more it's all right permanent changes that I think we're going to all have to deal with that kind, of le- that kind of became visible this summer.
0: I remember when we talked about El Nino right at the beginning of the summer, and we saw that $3.4 trillion number, and we kind of just like laughed to yourself, because how can you really estimate the economic effects of a weather event? And then, we just saw all these different ways it's impacting the economy directly right now, and this was for five years. I feel like it's an underestimate at this point. I mean, also another angle of this was the insurance angle, where it's just become untenable in some places insurers are backing out of California and Florida due to just way too high disaster risks farmers all state safe farm all have begun to withdraw because their exposure to extreme weather events is just too high to be uh, profitable for them so yeah. we're seeing real real economic effects from from things like the weather and i mean this was only one summer like it's, <laughs> it's just going to keep on going from there. Okay, Neil, let's move on to our next segment. This one I'm calling our first summer as podcasters because it was. Morning Brew Daily is still just six months old, and like any six-month-old, we've had our fair share of gaffes, misspeaks, and mistakes. Whatever you want to call them, we've done them. And most of the time, it's you guys, our listeners, who catch them. So to have a little fun, Neil and I are going to revisit some of our more infamous MBD mess-ups from the past few months. Neil, this is a safe space. What do you
1: want to get off your chest? Here's what I want to get off my chest. NVIDIA. NVIDIA. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, sometimes they say NVIDIA uh, instead of NVIDIA, which is this tech giant that also is a story of its own for being a leader in the AI space. And its stock is up, you know, 230 percent this year. But uh, a few youtube tube commenters pointed out that in one podcast, I said six NVIDIAs compared to four Nvidia's or <laughs> Nvidia's for Nvidia's You
0: can't even pronounce it wrong
1: now. <laughs> and then and then another person said uh when I say Nvidia it gives me an aneurysm. <laughs> okay, so that's my one mistake. Or that's one of the the flubs that I have. Another is I got called out by so many of my friends for saying banal instead of banal. So I'll never get either of those wrong again even though I just got in video wrong again
0: no i'm not gonna lie those are pretty small compared to okay, what i have coming go ahead. so here are my gaps that i want to address first came from a story where we were talking about the brands that work capital the pe firm that bought subway owns and i brought up culver's now i love culver's incredible cheese curds incredible burgers but i mistakenly said that they also have incredible ice cream that was my fatal mistake Culver's has custard, not ice cream. There's a difference, I looked it up. The main difference is the addition of egg yolks to to custard. They give it a richer, creamier, thicker texture. So shout out Jeremy Miller and Angel Tello for calling me out on that one. My next one is that I called the World Health Organization the WHO instead of the WHO. So Neil thought that was a crazy move to call it the the WHO, and we had a debate about it on the show. And I did get some listener support from the YouTube comment section as well as in our inbox. So Lauren Matthews was on your side. She said, it's for sure the WHO, not the WHO. But then YouTube commenter Kalito Frio said, yes, you can call it the WHO. Toby was right. Wait, based on
1: what authority?
0: Okay, wait, I'm getting there. And then finally, Bamark Kusha said, those of us in the profession slash global health industry call it WHO. Or w-h-o so truly we were both right in the end even though we had a nice laugh about it on the show is the, it, am
1: I validated in that or no no <laughs> oh,
0: come I'm not on. giving that
1: to you he's not who is say. like a is like a first of all it's abandoned it's a very common Word. You can't have an acronym that's also a common word. It gets confusing.
0: Yes, you can. You can you can literally as long as you put the in front of it, it's not calling it's the who. I don't know. I don't want to get into it again. I'm just gonna say that I'm validated on that one. Okay, and then the final thing that has emerged over the summer is something that I call the inverse Toby, where basically whenever I predict something, the opposite comes true. For instance, I said that the US would win the Women's World Cup, they lost in the quarterfinals. I said Trinity Rodman would be the breakout player of the tournament she didn't score a single goal i said nigeria was my new team of destiny after the u.s loss they lost immediately after i said that to england even outside of sports i predicted who would have the biggest box office halls between barbie oppenheimer and mission impossible i said mission impossible would win by far it was the smallest by far so neil if i predict anything on this pod Immediately go bet on the opposite thing.
1: All right. Well, we're going to do some predictions later in the in the show, so uh, we'll be able to put that to the test. The inverse Toby
0: is alive and well. All right. Before we jump into our next story, which is a little quiz off between Neil and I, we're going to take a quick break.
1: we're back with one of our favorite pastimes, trivia. Toby and I have each prepared a different quiz for each other about the summer, and we definitely encourage you all to play along and also make fun of us when we get something wrong. So, uh, Toby, I think you're going first. Uh, You're quizzing me.
0: All right, so for anyone who listens to the show, we have a segment called Stock of the Week, Dog of the Week every Friday. And even though we are just humble podcasters and not financial advisors, we do keep tab on what's going on in the market. So I want to give you a quick market quiz is, Neil, to see just how well you know your equities, baby. So first question, can you name the top five best performing stocks of the year
1: in the S&P 500? All right. Number one, NVIDIA. Number two, Meta. Uh, crap. Number three. Just let me know whenever you want hints. or Like maybe like Warner Brothers or something. I'm just trying to think about something that was really far down last year. So I'll go Warner Brothers. Um, probably another tech name, Amazon's too big, Uh, Palantir maybe, and let's go with uh, Morning Brew. (laughs) Morning Brew is up the most. You are on the right track, so you got Nvidia, that's up
0: 228%, you got Meta too, which was impressive, up 142%, just crazy. Okay, the third one is a car company. Tesla? Tesla is up 117% okay. this year. And then the last two are travel companies. So you were correct in your thinking of oh, exp- something that was Expedia? Would, Booking? Not, not air travel, not ground travel. What's another type of travel? Oh, Carnival. Carnival is the fifth best performing, 94%. And then Norwegian number four. Close. I'll give it to you. It's Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean. So you're on the right way. All right. 98%. So you, uh, we talked about those. Yes. You were totally directionally correct in thinking, all right, what was really down and what's up this year. Yeah. So the cruise lines, like I, I didn't yeah. know that they were top five best performing. So yeah, it's that experience economy we're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. So well done on that, Neil. I, I actually thought meta would be a tricky one, but you, you nailed that one. Okay. So we did the, the best performing stocks. Now I want to go to the worst performing stocks. So the two worst performing stocks in the S and P 500 this year, Year were Enphase Energy, which is down 52%, and Solar Edge Technologies, which is down 43%. But can you name the third worst performing stock of the year? And I would only ask this if it was a company that we have talked about on Stock of the Week, Pogma oh. Week. So, dude, it's a, I
1: blackout during that. Segment. I know
0: it's a vague question, but let's let's go on the same. Yeah, I mean,
1: process. energy. I know, like oil prices have been down compared last year. They were way up, and they. I would. Been, I would think they've moderated. So, Exxon I, or Chevron. I would think pandemic rather than energy. Like, oh, what, oh, oh, yeah. pandemic rather than energy. So I have pandemic, three. Pandemic. I have three. Peloton hints. is already so far down. I don't think it could go down even more. It's not Peloton. Zoom, I think, is coming back. Uh, What else? Like, maybe, oh, uh, the cleaner company, uh, Clorox. (laughs) (laughs) No, Clorox is already down. Here's a
0: hint. It was the second best performing stock of 2020. Do you remember what the second best was? I don't. The top was Tesla. Okay, and the third hint is it starts with an E. E. And it's not ExxonMobil. What's the industry? Uh, Commerce. Etsy. Etsy. Etsy is down 38%. So that is the third worst performing stock in the S&P 500. It was one of our dog of the week. So we can, we can certainly pick them, Neil. All right. Our third question is, of the top 10 biggest companies in the world, six are tech companies. Can you name the four that aren't? All right.
1: Berkshire Hathaway. Nice. That's Got, number eight. Um, definitely a pharma company. Now let's try Eli Lilly. Number 10. Okay, let's try Johnson & Johnson. Not Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Visa. This is biggest companies in the world. Oh, in the world. Not just America. Aramco? Aramco, number three. Saudi Aramco, the, uh, the oil giant. Uh, then we have LVMA. Uh, Nova Nordisk. No, it's no more. You've already said this this company in
0: our, in our quiz. NVIDIA. N- not NVIDIA. <laughs> That's a tech company. <laughs> it's not a tech company. Although it does, it is kind of a tech company. It's an automobile company. Tesla? Tesla. Number seven. So Saudi Ramco is third, Tesla is seven. Eight is Berkshire Hathaway, and number 10 was Eli Lilly. I thought Eli Lilly would be hard for you, but you
1: li- immediately nailed that. Yeah. Well done, well done. Oh, well, you give me a lot of credit. I've got a lot of stuff wrong. You did You did better than I expected, honestly. All right. You're, you're, my well turn done. for you. Here we go. So my quiz is called Name That Quote, okay. or, really, or it's more like Name the Person Who Said the Quote. I will read a, a quote from the summer's news, and you'll have to tell me the name of the person who said it, okay? Okay. First one, I recognize everything I've said in the past. I recognize people people will call me a hypocrite anytime I've said anything I've said it with the information I had
0: oh my gosh um I recognize this thing wait 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 give me give me like a little hint give me a little hint I totally know this it's in the sports world Oh, it's a uh, Jay J- Monahan. The yes, the PGA, PGA Commish- Tour
1: commissioner. So he said this after uh, the merger between Live Golf and the PGA Tour, and everyone kind of got on his case about it. Yes, uh, there is a huge infusion from uh, Saudi Arabia that ba- they basically bought the sport of golf earlier this summer. Okay, next quote. Send me location. Oh, it's Elon, right? Or uh,
0: send me look. Is it for the fight between Elon and uh, Zuck? Zuck. So Zuck, yeah. yes,
1: Mark Zuckerberg uh, on Instagram challenged uh, Elon Musk to a fight, to a cage match that was rumored back and forth for the past few months. Seems like that's not going to happen, and we kind of knew that all along. But uh, for the first like week, it was fun, and then it just kind of dragged on. It was the
0: lack of punctu or like proper grammar that got me. I'm like, that's gotta be Elon. But
1: send me location. That was send me location was Mark Zuckerberg. Okay, here's the other one. I've made 33 dives. I've actually calculated that I've spent more time on the ship than the captain. James Cameron for the the, uh, diving to the Titanic. So that was director James Cameron. He was everywhere on doing so many interviews after uh, the submersible, the Titan submersible uh, imploded, killing all five people on board on its way down to the Titanic. So that was uh, that. Remember, that was a huge story earlier this summer. Okay. Our fourth quote, there was a delicious mushroom dish. I was not aware that these mushrooms had hallucinogenic properties.
0: That was uh, Janet Yellen on her trip to uh, China, right? She had, she had a magic mushroom without knowing it. she, she just like me for real. <laughs> All
1: right. Our final quote, I think you're four for four so far, maybe with a little. Hint. Yeah,
0: three and a half for four. Three and
1: a half for four. Baby Gronk just stole Livy from the Drip King.
0: Just whoever that guy on on TikTok was who did that news
1: story in millennial voice. Yeah, so this was a TikTok user, Henry Detola, who unleashed a series of truly baffling videos about Livvy Dunn, the LSU gymnast, and a kid named Baby Gronk that left a lot of people feeling like they no longer speak the language of the youth.
0: That was crazy because even us, even me, who speaks for the youth, was like, all right, this is a step too far. This is too much internet for the day. But God, we've talked
1: about a lot of stuff on this show, Neil. (laughs) Let's move on to our next segment. While summer is basically over, we still have four months of the year left. So Toby and I are going to run down some major events and storylines to look out for until we go in for a smooch on New Year's Eve. Not Toby and I, just universally speaking, but people people kiss uh, on New Year's Eve. Anyway, to, uh, Toby, go ahead uh, with our first storyline. I think we're going to focus on the tech industry first, what to look out for.
0: So what's on the docket is Apple's next event, Wanderlust, is coming up. And the big news is, is that the iPhone 15 is probably going to drop. And the big news on that iPhone drop is that it's going to have a USB-C charging port. That's- Neil oh. is fist pumping right now. So Apple chargers will no longer be the special butterfly that they are, and it's finally falling in line with the rest of the world. Honestly,
1: I'm excited for it at this point, too. Like, let's just get on the USB-C bandwagon. People come over my my house, and they're like, can I have an iPhone charger? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't have one. But now they will be. So thank you, the EU, for pushing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I'm looking out for in the tech world is there's an end of the era because Netflix is officially closing shop on its DVD service on September 29th. Crazy that they estimate that between 1.1 and 1.3 million people still still subscribe to to DVD rentals.
0: Such good memories of it. I'm going to try to snag
1: one because that's going to be a historic artifact one of these days. Um, Let's move on to markets in the economy. The thing I'm looking out for is all these IPOs that could happen. Uh, Obviously, the IPO market has been absolutely silent over the past 18 months. It's starting to wake up with Kava. uh, And then we had Instacart just recently filing its S1. So it's planning on going public. Arms, the the SoftBank-owned chip designer, is also planning to go public, which could be probably the biggest one of the year. And then I'm also looking forward to Birkenstock, uh, which could go public at an $8 billion valuation and we'll see it go it's just always going to be compared to crocs on the market
0: yeah croc that could be it's like crockenheimer birken croc is going to be the 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 winter story of choice okay neil i am looking forward to how ai is going to affect the market going forward um so remember if we're going to look in the in the in the rear view mirror, NVIDIA has just been absolutely riding the AI wave. So we'll see if NVIDIA can keep the mo- momentum going after it reached a trillion dollar market cap. Also, the demise of Google's search business was greatly greatly exaggerated. And in fact, it's rolling out more AI features than ever just as quickly as anyone else. And then also can Bing, which is Microsoft's Search Engine, keep any of that momentum it captured going forward? So we'll see how kind of big tech and AI interact
1: yeah. going forward. The S&P uh, 500 is up about so far this year, so a nice rebound from last year. I'm wondering if we can make it 20% by the end of the year, but we'll see, that has a lot to do with uh maybe Jerome Powell's interest rate hikes which we, we can talk about a little if, bit later. If Etsy could get his stuff together yeah, maybe it can get to 20%. Yeah, it needs to be more like carnival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to sports. What are you looking out uh for in sports? Okay, so the Ryder Cup starts at the end of
0: September in Rome, so I'll definitely be tuning into that yes. where we'll actually have some mingling of LIV and PGA Tour players, which was definitely unexpected given where we started the year in terms of the two tours. We'll also see if the Saudi-backed LIV Tour does end up merging with the PGA Tour as has been announced since that's been announced we haven't really seen any information come out so even though it's they say it's going to happen I'm definitely going to be looking forward to it if it actually combines and merges. And then obviously we'll be keeping an eye on Messi to see if Inter-Miami will ever lose again. He's part of the experience economy at this point. And I say that they make the playoffs and that they win the whole damn thing.
1: They, they're just never going to lose again. He's got Maybe not. Then they were head. terrible. I know. The uh, thing you? I'm looking out for is the first ever F1 race in Vegas. It's coming to the Vegas Strip in November. It might be the biggest party of the year. It's also going to require a logistics miracle. Well, <laughs> $560 million is going to be spent to get Vegas ready for the race, which the project manager called one of the most aggressive programs of construction and design I've seen. So they do street races in Monaco and Singapore, but transforming the Vegas Strip, it's already very traffic It's There's a lot of people there, and they have to get it ready for an F1 race. And it's in Vegas, first F1 race there. F1's getting big here uh, during the pandemic. So I think it's going to be nuts. I don't know if there's a Raiders game as well or a Vegas Golden Knights game, but this could be, this could like break a, a, Taylor Swift record for, you know, hotel occupancy and spending for a single weekend in a place.
0: I can't wait to see what they light the sphere up as. Remember, we talked about the Vegas
1: sphere. I hope they do something crazy with it during oh, the they F1 will. race. All right, finally, entertainment. Uh, what are you looking out for? What movies uh, do you want to see later? We have some great movies in the pipeline.
0: Killers of the Flower Moon, the Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio film. We, of course, have Dumb Money coming out, which is the GameStop movie that we're doing a screening for in just a week, actually, so come hang out with us. We're not getting Dune 2, which was pushed to 2024 because of the Hollywood actor strike, and then some rapid-fire names that are also coming out: Saw 10. I can't believe we're on 10 movies of that. Captain Marvel 2, Timothy Chalamet's Willy Wonka, and then Napoleon, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Oh Neil, yeah. Which one of those are you
1: most uh, excited about? Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon. I'm a sucker for just like <laughs> the big historical yeah. dramas, so that's really what I'm gonna look out for. Uh, obviously, this might be the this might be the last real movie season that we have, uh, unless this strike gets resolved, because everything's going haywire. The fall TV schedule is all messed up. I'm waiting for Severance to come back, uh, but uh, yeah, the TV is is all kind of messed up. There's not going to be SNL. There's not going to be late night, so the the writer strike is definitely messing with a bunch of fall TV schedules. Go listen to podcasts. Go listen to podcasts. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to two different books. Uh, one is the SBF book by Michael Lewis, uh, which should be super interesting, and then the Elon Musk biography by Walter Isaacson. So I guess that's pretty basic. Like, oh, you're a, you're a bro and you're looking forward to all of these, these, (laughs) (laughs) these books books about business. But I think they'll be really interesting. Uh, the Walter Isaacson, uh, book about Steve jobs, I found really, really good and kind of was my first introduction to business. Okay. As the final part of our fall preview, Toby and I are going to look into our crystal ball and offer up some predictions for the rest of 2023. I've written down five prompts that I'll read off and we will make some uneducated guesses, then revisit them at the end of the year. All right, the first one. The the Fed has raised interest rates to 22-year highs, and recently in Jackson Hole, Jerome Powell said he may not be done raising them. Investors seem to think that he won't, though. So, Toby, will we see another interest rate hike this year? I'm going to say no,
0: because Jerome has, first of all, gotten so lucky with the Barbenheimer thing, with the Taylor Swift thing. I think he realized he has this very delicate house of cards that he's built up the economies in this Goldilocks mode. I just don't think he wants to throw a wrench into it at all and so he's going to keep them
1: where they're at. I'm also going to say no. I think there's, you know, I, they like to say the Fed is insulated from political pressure, but there is, I think, an increased amount of uh, oh. pressure on Jerome Powell to not raise rates anymore because those are being blamed in part for the regional banking collapse earlier this year. So I think that inflation is going to continue come down and uh, and he won't raise interest, ra- interest rates anymore. So we're both, I put us down both for no on that. Okay. So. Probably is going to raise up <laughs> Inverse theory. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the second one is about the Hollywood actors and writers strike. Toby, my question to you is, will either one of those be resolved by Thanksgiving?
0: I'm going to say yes, because I just think that the financial pressure that a lot of the actors and writers are under it's just going to become eventually too much because i mean there's only so many cameo videos you can make to cover rent there's only so many i don't know kind of speaking gigs or whatever you can do to to make ends meet and so i just think that they just don't have enough financial firepower to last much longer. So I'm going to say it ends before Thanksgiving.
1: I This is getting uninteresting because <laughs> I was also going to say yes for the same exact reasons. Uh, the longest actor strike ever, the longest writer strike ever was 153 days. And this would be way past that at Thanksgiving. So I do think they're going to come to a deal. All right. Uh, speaking of deals, the number, th- the third prompt is give me your shocking merger or acquisition that's gonna happen for the rest of the year.
0: I'm very excited for this one. I think Elon Musk is gonna buy US Steel. So that sounds super weird, right, on paper, but US Steel's stock ticker is X. And we know Elon is obsessed with that letter. And US Steel has put its up itself up for sale and is fielding multiple offers. Its market cap is just six and a half billion dollars. I mean remember Twitter cost him 42 billion dollars and even more. So I could totally see this happening that Elon buys it's U.S. Steel just to get the stock ticker X.
1: It's not. Uh, it's actually not bad. I could totally see it happening if he still has any money left over <laughs> yeah. from uh, from burning uh, forty-four billion on Twitter. I'm gonna say. Apple is finally going to pull the trigger and not by Disney as has been long rumored, but it's going to buy ESPN, which we know Disney is looking for strategic partners for. And Apple has been invested all of this into uh, all this money into sports content. And it's seeing huge dividends with its MLS deal because of, you know, Messi, which it all ties back to the top of the top of the show. But I, I, this could happen. So this, that's been rumored for so long. Yeah. Well, Disney Disney, and Apple uh, buying Disney. I could totally see ESPN too as well. All right. Fourth prompt here. Fourth prediction. Predict Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Oh my gosh, this
0: one's so hard. The first thing that came to mind though when we were planning for this was hurriquake. Because remember that word came out when the hurricane hit California recently and then an earthquake also hit California. And so the word hurriquake came out and it just has enough of that extreme weather. It's, it's, it's just big enough that it signifies a larger movement and it's just a really great word. So I think the word of the, the, the year is going to be hurriquake.
1: It has <laughs> not going to happen. Neil's not on, on board with it. It happened once. <laughs> There's, there's not been another it's hurt. free weather, baby. Ah. All right. All right, mine through. is... I think it's going to be, we are so back. Oh my gosh. Neil, it's a word of the year. I th- word. <laughs> I think you can do phrases too. You can do, it's, it's malleable. Like we are so back, right? Everyone's saying it. It feels like we talked about at the, the beginning of the show. Feels like we're back in 2019. Things have normalized. And everyone's just saying we are so back. And it just feels like we're back after 20, 2020 to 2022. Trump is running again for president. Like we're, we're so back. A couple other options I thought could be strike. Yeah. Okay. Algorithm Mm -hmm. based on all the AI stuff. Indicted, (laughs) (laughs) potentially, if they wanted to go the political route. Or renaissance. So that, that kind of ties into the we are so back vibe and the, uh, and Beyonce's Beyonce's tour. Yeah. I had Slay and DeLulu written down. So (laughs) could be Slay, but I don't think Miriam Webster hangs around Gen Z enough. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're right. All right. Final uh, prediction here, Toby, what is going to be the most popular Halloween costume this year?
0: Okay. So the easy one is obviously Ken and Barbie or Barbie and Oppenheimer, anything on the Barbenheimer, Ken and Barbie train, but that's too easy. So I'm actually going to pick the Trump mugshot. Actually, I feel Uh... like we gloss over that, but remember prison clothes are like a really big staple of Halloween culture so all you gotta do is like put on an orange wig and then you're a Trump mugshot so I think
1: we're gonna see a lot of escapey uh, Trump jail costumes. Oh that's a good idea. Okay mine is a couple's uh, costume okay. and it's and it's gonna be Lionel Messi and his bodyguard.
0: Oh that's really good. Because
1: it, videos have surfaced recently that there's an ex-Navy SEAL who follows Messi around the, the pitch as he during when he's on the field during the game because he's such a you know a security liability so yes there's this ex-navy seal who's just running back and forth on the uh like on he's the sidelines awesome. like a referee and so i think a great couples costume could be someone's you know hopping around like Messi, and then you have the other one dressed and, up as, a, as their bodyguard and kind of like lying them down and yeah. defending people against him so i think that could be fun that's fantastic i did write down a couple custom co- couples costumes as okay. well here's a
0: wild card, you go as Neil and Toby. (laughs) You could dye your hair blonde, like we could do it, like put on some glasses. Or even more of a wild card, go as hair and makeup. Okay. That's a little inside baseball, but if you really wanted to go Morning Brew Daily themed with your Halloween costume, Give us
1: a try us on for size. All right. That's (laughs) weird. (laughs) That is all the time we have for today. Hope you all have a relaxing Labor Day. As always, you can write to us at the email address morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com to reminisce about the summer or share your predictions for the rest of 2023. Let's roll the credits. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Raymond Liu is our associate producer. Yuchenna Waogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. We'll wake hair and makeup up when September ends. Devin Emery is our chief content officer. And our show is a production of Morning Brew.
0: Great show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow.